Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Today, I have a special guest, Marsha Zay, and she's an animal intuitive who, for the last 30 years, has worked extensively with animals and their people on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. She has a diversified practice specializing in many forms of energy healing, as well as helping people navigate through the last chapter of their animal's life. She's certified in several healing arts, including Reiki, Qigong, Tong Ren, Tea Touch, and Ho'oponopono. Her work as a trained hospice volunteer has led her to this path as an end-of-a-life doula for both people and animals. And she's also written a book to complete a life that details the end stage of life for animals and how to make this sad experience really a sacred, loving journey. So thanks, Marsha, for joining us today. I am so happy and honored to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Well, tell us about your background as an animal intuitive and how you discovered these different healing modalities. Okay, sure. Well, before I became an animal intuitive, it was 1976, and I had a spiritual awakening. On a sales trip, I was working for a company in sales, and I was sitting at a desk, and I'm writing down the pros and cons of the job, because I'm thinking I'm not going to be there long. (laughs) And as I'm poised with my pen, thinking about pros and cons, All of a sudden, my pen started taking off and started writing words. First thought is, oh, my God, this is crazy. And and at the same time, I was feeling like, wow, this is strange, but it feels comfortable, too. I never knew what automatic handwriting was. I had no orientation about any of the healing arts or inner spiritual life, for that matter. So, but that began my journey into seeing the world other than just on the outside. And then fast forward, it's 1988, and I'm married, and my husband and I have a property, and we've got horses and dogs and cats, and we would travel quite a bit. And when we would travel, there was a woman named Donna who would stay at our house, taking care of the animals. And one day she said, I heard about this woman in North Carolina who teaches animal communication. I would really like to do that to, that would really help me in my business, be able to talk to the animals. So she didn't have the money. And I said, you know what, I'll give you the money. I'll go with you. So it was just a lark that I went to this class and it was a weekend. And there were lots of animals and came home from the class. And so I decided that I was going to call some of my friends who had either children who had animals or who had friends who had other animals that I didn't know anything about. And just to see, does this really work? Can you really talk to these real animals? Or was this just kind of a lark on a workshop? Anyway, so I started making some phone calls and I started with, went to this animal communication workshop and most people were pretty amused, some laughed, but anyway, they all volunteered. 
that I could talk to their animals. In those days, I would get the information, they would have questions, send me, and send me a picture, and I would write down the answers or what I was feeling that I was getting from the animals, and then I'd call them back. And it was pretty accurate because within a really short period of time, people started calling me. And then my husband, who's business-oriented, said, I think this should be your business, so you should be charging for this. Mm-hmm. So that's really how my animal work got started. Mm-hmm. Before I even did that in the early 70s, I started doing Tai Chi and Qigong. And I was really fortunate to have had this teacher, Jinsen Chu, who was of the original lineage of the Yang style of Tai Chi. And he spoke very, very little English. I really was learning all of these different Tai Chi forms and Qigong forms from the inside out because there were no words that he was offering. And so that was my first experience with seeing energy. And people would come from all over the world to study with him for a few weeks. And he was incredibly powerful. And he would do this practice called push hands in which you would be like pushing against him. And there could be 10 of us. We tried this in class, pushing against him, trying to throw him off balance. And he would just like with the flip of his finger, throw us across the room. I mean, it's something you see in a movie, but it's like- Wow. And it was all energy related? It was Qigong. It was all energy related. So this was my first experience. And then later on, I became certified in other things. And I don't think I had been- talking to people doing this work with them for maybe it was a year and one of my horses died and he said to me you need to teach and I'm thinking I just learned this how can I be teaching and he said I'm going to help you so when I think back on this it was like I was really brave or stupid or both Mm -hmm. but anyway I made an announcement and seven people came to my house and they're there for the whole weekend I'm thinking how am I going to spend time with these people for a whole weekend I knew I could teach the communication part and I just thought as a extra thing let's do a little tai chi and we'll do some qigong healing. And I'd never done Qigong healing. I knew that it was a healing modality. So anyway, so here's my first workshop. There's seven of us. And there was a woman there who had a horse. She was actually a vet tech. And her horse had had an infection in her coffin bone. Coffin bone is a small bone that is in the inside of the hoof wall. And the vet had come a day or two before the workshop and had dug out the infection and put medication, wrapped it all up for however many days, four or five days before she was to unbandage it and treat it again, rewrapping it. And it was a fairly large hole because there was a lot of infection there. So we're standing in a circle and I show them one simple Qigong posture. We've got this picture of this horse on the floor. And I said, okay, this is how you do it. Now just send that energy to this horse. And so we all did that. I don't know, might've been 10 minutes. Everybody had some kind of an animal. And then we did it with some of the people too, so they could feel 
what the Qigong energy was. So now I finished the workshop, everybody goes home. And it was a couple of days later, I heard from the woman with this horse with the infection in the coffin bone. And she said, and that and means she, like if you have an infection in the coffin bone, you're lame. You can't run, right? Can't, yeah. But also there's this big hole there because the vet cut it out. She right. cut out all the infection. Right. Okay. So now the vet tech, who was quite skeptical when she came to the workshop, but a friend of hers came who dragged her there. She calls up and she says, you're not going to believe this. I took the bandage off her hook and there is no hole, there is no sign that anything ever was done or that there was ever an infection to begin with. It was just clean. It was like, holy smokes. Wow. Are you kidding? It's like crazy. And that's how so, you know it works. You can't explain it, but it heals. Cannot explain it. Mm -hmm. So then I have another workshop. The next workshop, there's like seven people. It's another horse story. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have cell phone. I mean, it was a whole different world then. And anyway, so this particular group, most of them were from Rhode Island. And there was one woman there and her horse had a chronic Lyme. Mm -hmm. And they had different vets who treated the horse with different antibiotics and some other different therapies, I'm sure. And the horse was basically just turned out and couldn't ride her. She was too lame, too sore. So again, the same thing, stand in a circle, put a picture of the horse in the center and show them the position, how to first generate the energy and then send it out to this horse. And so that's what we did. And then we, again, worked with other animals and some of the people got their turn to just feel what it's like to receive this energy. And the phone rings, no one had cell phones, and it's the manager of the barn where this horse is at, which is in Little Compton, Rhode Island. The horse had jumped a fence and was running down the beach. Wow. So, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, and I heard from this woman, it's like five years later, horse never was lame again, ever. Wow. That's a beautiful story. So after this second experience, I thought, I must be on to something. Mm -hmm. Part of it's the group, right. and having group energy, mm -hmm. and part of it is just the energy. Does this happen to everybody? No, of course not. There's no one thing that works for everybody or not everybody gets healed. There's that mystery element. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but I saw how effective it was. And so that really led me to really dive, dive deeply into different forms of energy work. And so I took lots of different courses of magnified healing and I got certified in Reiki one and two. And so that was really the beginning part of my journey in energy medicine and seeing how effective it is. So I'm going to, you know, fast forward to another part of my life where I learned Tongren and Ho'oponopono. So my husband died and six months later I had breast cancer. And I just was not going to go through the protocol that the doctor wanted, which was chemo, radiation, surgery. So I had 
heard about this guy named Tom Tam, who was doing some kind of healing on people and their cancers were disappearing. And coincidentally, if there is such a thing, I had met Tom when I was doing Tai Chi. We were both studying with the same teacher at that time. So Tom is from Boston, and this is a recent healing modality. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you about all these different modalities that you had mentioned. So Tom said, I have this healing class. Why don't you come and I'll give you a treatment? So I show up in this classroom and there is maybe 15 people there sitting like you would in a regular class. And he's at the front of the class and he's got this doll and hammer and he's tapping on these points. And I mean, by this time I've seen enough pretty, you know, unusual things. Yeah, or, you're thinking voodoo. <laughs> yeah, voodoo, woo-woo, whatever, mm-hmm. wackadoodle. And I'm thinking, even for me, this looks really far out. Mm-hmm. And he would say in his accent, what's your problem? What's your concern? And each person would say, I have this, I have that. And they were mostly cancer patients, mostly third and fourth stage cancers. And he came to me and said, why are you here? What's your concern? And I said, breast cancer. I didn't tell him what breast. I didn't go into anything. And he started tapping on this doll and he's calling out these different acupuncture points. And all of a sudden, I start feeling this tingling in my breast, the one that has the cancer in it. And I had two areas of cancer in that one breast. One of them was invasive cancer, which is like the name implies. The other was not not so serious. But anyway, I could feel the tingling, and within five minutes of him working on me, my whole body felt warm. And wow, everything. So I said right then, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to heal my cancer. Mm -hmm. So you just knew it would work because you felt this warmth, and was it like a comforting feeling, or did you feel like it was working, or is it just intuition that this is right? That's an interesting question. No, I felt like it's tingling. It's doing something. I can tell. Mm -hmm. So I had a reaction from it, and Mm -hmm. it felt like this is right. I really believe that things don't have to be so complicated. Right. And after watching what my husband did with all the chemo and the bone marrow transplant, I just could not do that. Right. So And obviously, and it didn't work. So why would you try that? Did not work. Right. For him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, I did other things. I did a work on emotional pieces and so forth. But anyway, so yeah, it did heal my cancer. So, wow. Uh, it just totally yeah. eradicated it. Here's the whole story. So, yeah. what happened was I did the Tong Ran. I had different people working on me. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I became a practitioner. I started working on animals. And so, in that year, I did, I had three MRIs and they all showed no change. Second one, no change. Third one, no change. And now my kids, who freaked out in the beginning anyway, since they had just lost their father, now they're like, you got to do something. And it's like, okay, I gave it a try. I've done it. So, anyway, so I had a mastectomy. And when the oncologist called me with the report, 
on the cancer. And they really expected that it was, I had waited so long and that it really was going to be invasive in the rest of my body. And anyway, she said to me, you know, that big area that we saw on the MRI, she said, they're all dead cells. Wow. And she said, that smaller area, there's very little activity, very little. I don't recommend that you do anything at this point. And if you want to do tamoxifen, that's fine, but you don't need to do anything. Wow. And so, I mean, my mouth's hanging open. I'm saying, I thought the MRI was the gold standard. She said, well, it is, but it shows up all kinds of things. Did not know. But, you know, I have no regrets about it because... I just don't think I would have been happy living with myself thinking that I had something, I had cancer cells growing in my body. Right. Right. Well, I love that you just tried other things when you see the actual odds and what works and what doesn't work. I mean, I thought there was only like 3% of chemo works for people, and then it comes back. The rates are not really promising, but everybody does it. So I love the fact that you were exploring other options and putting yourself out there, you know? Thank you. Well, I'm more than glad. I'm grateful that that was my path. Right. And so interesting that you mentioned the facts about cancer or how people, that's like the mainstream thing. So I'm going to talk about what Tongren is. Mm-hmm. So Tongren, it's an interesting modality because there's several different components to it. And one of them, it has to do with opening up acupuncture points. So traditional Chinese medicine is all about flow. If we have good flow in our body, that means that we're healthy. But when there's some kind of a blockage and you want to clear that, you want Mm -hmm. to open it, Mm -hmm. open, open, open. And so that's the goal of traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And so in in Tongren, that's the same goal. Mm -hmm. But included in that is the collective unconscious which is what you're talking about when you're referring to anything mainstream, there is like a collective unconscious of this is what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And Freud talks about this. And so that's a big component in Tongren is this collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so so the more that people believe in this, the stronger it becomes. That's really the simple theory. It's true. That's why if you went into it thinking it was a crazy idea and it didn't work, I doubt it would work. (laughs) Right. You know? I don't know. Well, yeah, I I don't know if that's a black and white answer or to that, but I think it's healthy to be skeptical. Yes. But I think it's good to be open-minded, too. Yeah. I just find when I'm open-minded and open myself to possibilities or that anything is possible, things happen to me that can't be explained. I have more miracles. It's weird. (laughs) But no, I love that. And yes, I think that if we're closed, we're not going to even see those. No, things. you won't see them. That's true. So tell us about Ho'oponopono. Okay, so Ho'oponopono is a Hawaiian shaman practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Hawaii. I-, I was born there. I grew up there. Wow, you're and so lucky. <laughs> it was definitely 
a magical life. But when you're a kid, you just think everybody is growing up that way. So <laughs> never wore shoes till I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So. But anyway, so Ho'oponopono, but it evolved. It used to be something as most shaman practices. It was from family to family and there were secrets. And so Ho'oponopono was too. And they would have different practitioners that would go into different villages and help resolve conflict. And that was really what their purpose was. And then in the 50s, there was a woman named Morna, and she felt like, no, we shouldn't just keep this amongst ourselves. Everybody should be able to learn this and do this for themselves. And so she modified the teachings that had been handed down to her, and she began teaching them. And then where it really came on the map was this Dr. E. Haleakala Lin. And he did not believe in Ho'oponopono. But as it turned out, his first experience was he had a very young, he had a daughter at a very young age, and she just could not stop crying. She was itching everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, he was living on the mainland, and he took her from doctor to doctor to doctor. Nobody could help. And he then, during this period, he ended up back in Honolulu, and there was, and he heard about this woman, Morna, and went to her, and within weeks, his daughter stopped scratching and crying. And so they don't know what it was? In this practice, you don't really have to know what it is. Oh, okay. So I want to tell you, like, this is just really an amazing story. It's very well documented. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so Hugh Lim was offered a job at the Hawaii State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And there were somewhere like 35 patients that were there. It was a horrible place. Mm -hmm. There were feces on the wall. There were... People, all the inmates were either shackled, heavily medicated. Nobody wanted to work there. The nurses, staff, they would walk with their backs against the wall so nobody could attack them. I mean, that's how bad it was. Wow. And they had different directors, whatever their term was or whenever they left, the d- different directors all the time. And so Hulan was offered this job. And he says, I will take this job under one condition that all I do is ho'opono. They were desperate, even though we're talking about Hawaii, but this is old Hawaii versus what it became in the 60s. So, so he never met with a patient, not once. He never went to a staff meeting. Every day he would sit and he would go over the notes of every patient there. And he would go over them. And as he's reading them, it would bring up feelings in him. Not that he was any of these, he wasn't a rapist. He wasn't crazy. He didn't have the feelings that they had. Mm -hmm. He had his own feelings, just like when we're having a conversation. If we pay attention, we have our own feelings. So he started to go through each file And it would bring up different feelings in him. And as it brought up those feelings, he would clean them, what they call cleaning. So cleaning is really, there are four phrases, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you. It's so simple. 
Mm-hmm. There's a meaning behind the four phrases. What are you sorry for? I am sorry that I am having these feelings. This is not really who I am or who I want to be. And please forgive me because I am having feelings inside of me that are really not akin to who what my spirit is. Mm-hmm. And th- thank you for showing this to me and you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. So he would do this over and over again. And it wasn't long. It was a few months. Things started to change. Patients weren't in shackles. People weren't heavily medicated. In four years, the whole hospital closed. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. There was only one patient that was left. It was someone who had murdered someone. He got transferred to California to hospital. And But he also acknowledged that he had took responsibility for it. And that's the whole basis of Ho'oponopono is I take responsibility for my feelings, for Mm -hmm. everything I see on the outside. Every person I come in contact with, I have feelings inside that I will take responsibility for. Mm -hmm. I think you're responsible for anything that they do. They're just showing a mirror. Everybody is a mirror. And so it is an amazing healing modality. It's simple and it works on all levels Mm -hmm. of the body, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. And it goes back ancestral lines. I mean, the layers of healing this by utilizing this modality are Mm -hmm. just thick and I mean it just goes on and on it's incredible Mm -hmm. I always thought animals were more sensitive to energy than people but that story tells me that they're very similar what do you think well no I agree with you I think animals are more sensitive to energies Mm -hmm. I think they don't have all the layers of stuff that we do yeah okay right Right. because I do Reiki and I have found animals are so much more responsive than when I do it to people. Yeah, people can be tough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the goal is not really to heal you or to heal that person, okay? Mm -hmm. The goal is really to heal each one of us. It's called Ho'oponopono, Mm self-identity. There's that self-identity that is really what it is. If we could all heal ourselves then everything around us would change. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you have another story about how you helped heal animal? I've got lots of stories. Because animals don't live as long as we do. I've done a lot of end-of-life work. I started working with animals way before I became a hospice volunteer mm-hmm. and then became an end-of-life doula for both people and animals. Mm-hmm. But people would call years ago and, how can I, is my animal ready to go? What's my animal feeling, thinking, is this time? And I mean, you can imagine the anxiety. All of us get that anxiety of not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. So I would help people as best as I could maneuver through that. And over time, you know, I started doing different modalities and developed a protocol so simple. And that would really allow each person to know in their heart what their animal wanted. So I don't have to get involved. I'm just the person who's helping them to get to that place so they know without somebody telling them 
yes, it's time. They know, and for all the reasons they know, that this is the right time to go. You could do the same protocol with people. And part of it is giving them permission to go and letting them know that you're okay. So this woman, she was in Florida. Okay, her name's Gina. And um, she has a four-year-old German shepherd named Debbie. And Debbie has had, I think it was probably six months, she had a condition in her spine. Her spine was degenerating. It had a virus, they yeast, whatever they did, whatever antibiotics, whatever protocols that she had done with Debbie, nothing worked. Mm-hmm. I think she went to three or four different vets and she ended up at a neurologist's office and mm-hmm. said to her, it's time. She's now not eating and she can barely walk. Mm-hmm. Gina goes home after hearing that and she calls Laps of Love which is a beautiful service that uh, veterinarians, they come to your house and Mm -hmm. euthanize your animal. And so she called them and they were going to come the next afternoon. And I don't know how she got my name, but she did and called me. And so I gave her this protocol, which is a letter. I have a form for how to write the letter. And so she writes this letter to Debbie and reads it back to her. And right after she read it to her, Debbie got up on her own, walked over to the food bowl, and started pawing on the food bowl. Wow. And so Gina is like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So she opens up the refrigerator. There's a roasted chicken. And she starts tearing off pieces of the chicken and putting it in the bowl. And Debbie is, like, gobbling it down. Mm-hmm. So like wow that is really something so the next morning she wakes up she reads the letter back to, again to debbie and mm-hmm. again debbie gets up goes to her food bowl and starts eating so that's she great cancels the appointment and i start working with her with Debbie, I started sending energy work for her. Mm-hmm. So most of it is Tong. It's a combination. I do a combination of Tong Ren, Reiki. They're all in me. So they get generated through me and then they get sent out to her. And I worked on her. It was for a couple of months. First really intensely, like four or five days a week, then less than, you know, several days, just several days a week. Mm -hmm. And now she's walking and she's eating and her coat color, coat texture is coming back and she's looking like she's a healthy dog. And a lot of times when I'm working on an animal or a person, their spine gets readjusted back into the way it should be. And so the movement is smooth. I work with a lot of horses. So you want to make sure that that gait has consistency to it. Mm -hmm. And so her left hind leg was just not quite right. I said, you should take her to find a chiropractic that works on dogs and see if they can adjust her. Mm -hmm. So she finds a vet nearby and examines her and says, I need to see her records. So Gina gives her the name of the neurologist because that's where all the records are. The vet calls the neurologist. We want to get Debbie's records. Can you please send them to, to us? And he says, Oh no, no, you've made a mistake. She died. Nope. 
I died looking at her right now. <laughs> so that was the story of Debbie. Yeah. And so this is now, this is now like year two, almost two years later. And I still work with Debbie. I work with her like once every two months or something, just as a tune up. Mm-hmm. You know, but she is totally normal. She couldn't even bark before. She had no voice. And we were just watching all these things come back with her. Mm-hmm. It was just so miraculous. And it was strictly energy healing mm-hmm. that was able to bring her back to homeostasis. And it's funny, it's almost like the last thing people try when they have a mystery illness, or doctors can't find the right antibiotic or whatever they're doing isn't working. And yet it probably should be the first thing people try. <laughs> well, I'm in agreement with that. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, is there anything else you feel important to share with our community of listeners? I do believe that really the most simple things that that we do, and usually it's something that we have access to, is really the most effective. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is talk to your animals. Mm-hmm. Like really have conversations with them. Let them know what's going on in your life. Let them know what you're thinking. They already know to some degree, but this opens up a whole different communication that you have because they're nonverbal. A lot of people don't think I really need to explain that to her. Like when I leave the house, I say, I'll be back later. Well, you could say when you're leaving the house, I've got to go do whatever it is you're going to do. And I'm going to be back when the sun is and you picture in your head where the sun is going to be or the moon Mm -hmm. when you're coming home. And, And then that gives your animal a deeper understanding what you're doing, number one, because they certainly hear you as illustrated Mm-hmm. And it deepens your relationship in having these really deep conversations. It's so are. true. I feel like I never told my dogs when my kids went to college, like all of a sudden they're absent in their life mm-hmm. and they would come back to visit during their breaks or whatever, but just explaining so they don't think they're abandoned. And they got so excited when they came back. But if you mm-hmm. had just told them, oh, they're going to go away for a few weeks, but they'll be back. It makes so much sense. So I've been talking to my dog more. (laughs) No, because they really do understand. And now the whole family is talking to Pearl more. And it's so funny because we all think we know what she's thinking now. So it's great. Yeah. And yeah. And it deepens your relationship. It like expands. She's not just a dog. I mean, we all love our dogs, Mm -hmm. cats animals, whatever we have. But it just, it expands and deepens the relationship mm-hmm. in a way that you would just never have imagined. So, And whenever you. I left, I would always, and Pearl would always follow me to go out. She wanted to go to the park or whatever. But if I say, I'll be back, she just gets up on the couch. She doesn't follow me out. So they do understand something for sure. Absolutely. They're a lot smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get in touch with you if they have more questions? Yeah, thank you. Sure. Well, you can go into my website. My website is marciazace.com. I'm going to spell it. Marcia is spelled M-A-R-C-I-A. And my last name is Zace. That's Z, like zebra. 
A-I-S like Sahara.com, MarshaZace.com, or you can email me directly at Marsha at MarshaZace, Z-A-I-S.com. Great. Well, and I'm happy to have a short conversation or do a session. Okay. Well, great. Thanks so much, Marsha. I've learned so much again and hope to have you back on our show another time. Would be my pleasure. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, Marsha. I'm going to do a little meditation and I'll let you know when my okay. podcast guy puts it up. Wonderful. Okay. All right. Lots of blessings. Thanks. You too. Bye. So find a comfortable position for short meditation. So take a deep breath in, inhaling all the beautiful energy all around you. And then exhale, letting go of any toxic negative energy. Inhale, filling yourself up with goodness, kindness, the ability to be happy for others. And then exhale, releasing worry, envy, anger. Let it leave the body. There's a simple law of energy that says what you focus on expands. What you believe in will happen. It's just a natural outcome and expectation. And that vibration we put into the world attracts back to us things of a similar vibration. So if we're angry and cussing a lot, you're going to get that same toxic energy back from the universe. So start to choose to believe your potential Believe positive things about your physical body. And choose to believe that your social skills are welcome. Inhale. Release the tension in your head, your brow. Relax your jaw. And then unclench your teeth. Start to soften the body. Start to feel more at peace with who you are. There's nothing else you have to do today but be here in the present moment, letting your body relax, surrounding yourself by nature, inhaling the scents around you, the trees, the flowers, noticing the birds and the bees, and receiving the energy around you is an important element of intuition. So try considering yourself a sponge when you're out in nature and the sponge absorbs everything. Without conscious awareness, our minds constantly filter all the information you receive. And when this happens, we start to judge, distrust, create walls. For example, when we receive something good, we might question what we have to give back in the future, or whether or not we are worthy. So to really develop your intuition, it's helpful to understand that there's no such thing as important or unimportant information. Everything has value. And for the intuition to come to us, 
You have to be open like a sponge. Just act like a sponge and open up and receive everything that's coming to you. You can repeat a mantra to yourself, like Satanama, an Indian Sanskrit word, repeating over and over, Satanama, Satanama. Or you can come up with your own mantra, I am positive, I am positive. Or it could be anything else that resonates with you. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through your nose. Just close your eyes. Do you hear the wind, traffic, voices, birds? Just absorb the sounds. As you become fully aware of everything around you, acting like a sponge, opening up your intuition and awareness of animals and people. And then just say a blessing to all the animals, all the plant life, all the people around you. Relax your neck, your shoulders, upper back, lower back, hips relax. Let the body feel heavy, loose, Surrender your arms, surrendering their legs, feeling like a giant sandbag, loose, relaxed, calm, breathe in, and a long breath out. Inhale for a five count, one, two, three, four, five, hold the breath, five, four, three, two, one, exhale, one, two, three, four, five, hold the breath, five, four, three, two, one, repeating that pattern so that the mind is relaxed, the body's relaxed, and you're fully connected with nature. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.